Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 768, January 11, 2022. We uh, we hit 44 degrees on this day in 1986, and it was 31 below in 1977. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, director of social media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushere. I know we're not supposed to do uh, COVID talk. Oh, yeah. Mm. But you played something for me that I think I need help in understanding. Uh, this is Rachel Rachel Walensky. Mm-hmm. She's the head of the CDC. Yes. And she's talking to Wolf Blitzer yesterday. No, this was uh, January 9th. Uh, she was talking to Wolf Blitzer on Sunday, Wait. just a couple days ago. Right. That's right. The, At least that's the dateline from the video that I'm well, seeing. It, that's... Close enough. Okay. Sorry. Recently. Play it. He's been hanging around height too long, hasn't he? Well, I just, <laughs> we're such a fact-based operation, I get paranoid. In other oh, words, oh, this yeah. is a very sure recent, but if it was January 9, that was Sunday. Yeah. Okay. Here, Here we go. go. Um, our vaccines are working exceptionally well. They continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness and death. They prevent it. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. So if you're going home to somebody who has not been vaccinated, to somebody who can't get vaccinated, somebody who might be immunosuppressed or a little bit uh, frail, somebody who has um, uh, comorbidities that put them at high risk, I would suggest you wear a mask in public indoor settings. That's not going to stop anything, but yeah, okay. I don't know what she means, uh, but the key word in there, she said, they don't work anymore. To yeah. Stop transmission. Correct. Which presumes they it they initially did. Well, that's what we were told. Correct at the beginning. But you can get a flu shot. Can you still give somebody the flu? I I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also was accompanied. This is in written form, not not audio form. Uh, this this was from twenty hours ago. The CDC has now stated that. More than 75% of COVID deaths were people with at least four, four comorbidities and were unwell to begin with. Um, and I was trying to find What's them. a comorbidity if you're having Underlying health issue. Okay. Does it seem like the public is slowly but surely waking up to what's really happening with COVID? Stuff that you've, if you've been immersed in COVID-related news and information, you probably figured out well over a year ago. Well, I have an interesting email to that effect uh, from Dale Kirsten, who has noted that every time there's a hiccup, uh, some COVID news hits the hits the airways. Hopefully, by the time you record today's podcast, the Supreme Court will have overruled the vaccine mandate. By the way, from the looks of pictures on TV and from people there, Minneapolis mask mandate wasn't really enforced at the Vikings game. No, wondering what the White House will distract the nation with this time. My money is on the stock market or student loan forgiveness. Also, did you see that insurance companies are now required to cover eight home COVID tests per month? Per month? Who needs eight tests a month? Serial testers. This is the Samer theory. We don't have a COVID problem or a climate change problem or a racial justice problem. We have a mental health problem. 
Okay, there's a lot of things I need to go wow. off on on that. Uh, let's start with the home testing. There's no kits available. You know why there's no kits available? Because the government snatched them up for their workers. So what are we going to do there? Well, I have, I have even a more basic question. Why would I get tested? Unless you're sick. What's the point of it? If right. You, it, well, I said that last week because someone had posted a, uh, a, a video or a photo, excuse me, of a line at the Mall of America where there had to have been hundreds of people in line getting tested, and they were waiting hours just to get in. Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't accept uh, the very popular, I mean, Dale even says it, we don't have a COVID problem. Yeah, we do. We, yeah, do. we do. We do. That's a, that's a real problem. You, you can die a horrible death from this damn thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to reinterpret his remark. I, I think what he's implying or suggesting is that we, are, we have become a, 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 a – how do I say it? We, ha, we are experiencing mass fright. Yeah. Mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. Yeah. Same with climate change. Same with racial justice. And he's right. These are mental health problems. These are denials of reality problems. But the comorbidity, four or more, if you have those, you've got something to worry about. You've got something to worry about without COVID. Correct. (laughs) Correct. Uh, But we just saw our pal John. You're still working your way through it. You've had both shots, correct, and the... And a booster, yes. And you were up and around and working. But you felt like um, crap. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt like a really bad flu. Like, yeah. uh, you know, always tired. Right. Uh, sinuses were awful. Right. But um, the rest yeah. of your family got it too. How'd they deal with it? Uh, Lori, it hit Lori much harder than any of us. Uh, she was down for the count for about a week and bad and hacking like, a, you know, a seal. I mean, just She already, uh, also, also vaxxed she's, up? She's... She's also vaxxed up, and uh, actually, she's uh, 14 days in and back at work, but still okay. All right. feeling you know, tired, just tired. Well, is the Ooh. presumption that you have Omicron? I'm assuming, but they don't let you know. I just All I know is I had a positive test for COVID-19, whatever, hmm. whatever strain. I have no idea. I, I'm assuming because of the severity or lack of severity. Yeah, yeah that's what it is. Hmm. Or, or perhaps the vaccines helped. Less than the severity. I have no, no idea. No, you know, no way of knowing, I guess. Maybe you had the new variant. Seriously. The Delta Cron. Delta Cron. You know, it is worth uh, talking about, Such, and he mentioned it briefly, the argument going on right now in the Supreme Court over this OSHA thing. Are you aware of the OSHA thing? And uh, we're susceptible to it here at HBI. The mandating of what? Vaccines. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or a once-a-week test. Yeah, but I've already got the vaccine, so. But I know you already have it, but let's talk about what the hell country we're living in and mm-hmm. what this means and what this is going to lead to, and is this or is it not unprecedented? It just seems over the top to me. And our company and other companies have no choice. I'm not sure it's over the top. I've, if I'm not mistaken, I think the country went through a period where you were uh, it was mandated you get a polio vaccine. Right. Yeah, I believe you're correct. Uh, and the other problem we have is people can't decipher the difference between a stance that I think the four of us all share, where 
we are not in any way anti-vaccine, but no, we are we're going to come mandate. You know, we're going to come off that way. Uh, so yeah, right. we we have to keep repeating that over and over and over. Well, Here, let's I've, conclude because we just we don't succeed well when we go down this path. Uh, when do we succeed? When we go down different paths. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> You'll recall last Friday. The story was reported of a fellow who followed a woman to the point where he followed the woman to a fire station where she sought refuge. Yeah. And he attempted to, he drove his truck into the station. Right, smashed into it. And Kenny's cogent observation was, that woman's in trouble. Well, I think anybody with a brain would have thought that. Yeah, but you did it without a brain, which is why I thought it was so cogent. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so Thank what you. was reported Friday, January 7th, was prosecutors have charged a man for allegedly ramming his truck into the doors of a Minneapolis fire station on Thursday night. That would have been Thursday night, January 6th, not even a week ago. Sean Coates of Minneapolis was charged Friday with two counts of fourth-degree assault, one count of threats of violence, and one count of third-degree criminal property damage in the incident. The incident happened shortly before 10 p.m. Thursday at Fire Station 8 near 28th Street West and Blaisdell Avenue. Police were dispatched on reports of a vehicle ramming the building. Upon arrival, officers found a pickup truck inside the station nosed up against the fire doors and a man being detained by firefighters. Uh, the criminal complaint said a woman was trying to get away from the driver of the truck who was following her. She ran up to the fire station to get help, and the crews placed themselves between the woman and the suspect. I said, you need to get out of here now, Captain. Uh, Colm Black recalls telling Coates, I started walking her into the station. I heard him accelerate. I turned around and saw him turn the wheel, and he came right at me. I ran into the station. When Black and other firefighters pulled the woman inside to protect her, police say the suspect drove into the station and crashed into one of the bifold doors. At this point, a firefighter used a sharp tool to puncture one of the truck's tires so the man could not escape. But Coates didn't stop. Nope. He got out of his vehicle and began approaching the crew. We all had irons and axes in our hands, and he still decided to get out of his car and come at us, said Captain Black. He had his hand behind his back as he came at us. I said he might have a gun, so we all fled back towards this way. He's pointing it to the reporter. We made sure the woman was safe. Soon, however, Captain uh, Balil Attic realized Coates had no gun. I said, okay, we can now rush him, Captain Attic said. So I go to him. I kind of he, he kind of swung awkwardly. Everyone grabbed a piece of him just to restrain him. A total of six firefighters restrained Coates as they waited for police to arrive, which was only a couple minutes the whole time they said Coates was laughing and shouting expletives at them. Uh, it bordered on disbelief he would be that aggressive, the uh, firefighter Nathan Witt said. Uh, no one suffered any injuries. Driving, Didn't end there. The uh, he freaked out in the car, started using his head as a battering ram. What? On both the, uh, the screen in between the front and back uh, seats and on the doors. And then they got down to Hennepin County lockup. It took six Hennepin County jailers to wrestle this jackass wow. to the ground and get him detained inside of the jail. This guy is dangerous, and uh, this woman 
uh, should be protected by the police or somebody because her life is in danger. Judge Regina Chu has released Sean Coates. It's unbelievable. No bail. It's just unbelievable. No bail, and he's out of custody. Doesn't have to pay the approximately five to $600 worth of damage, according to what I read, and also has to stay, quoting, a reasonable distance away from her. Oh, well, then that'll take care of it, Kenny. Yeah. This yeah. woman is a one-woman wrecking crew. She is bringing nothing but danger to the streets of Minneapolis, and now this poor woman whom Coates was chasing. What, how, what is she going to do? This guy is not going to behave responsibly. No, her, her life is in danger until he's restrained. What is wrong with this woman? What is she trying to accomplish? What, what is going on here? There is no excuse she could give that I find reasonable, including sentencing guidelines, what's written down in, in the law, overcrowding of the jail, the COVID, nothing is a reasonable excuse. It, what other evidence do you need as a judge to see that this guy is obviously a complete threat to this woman's safety? He's a complete threat to everyone's safety. That's better stated. I mean, what happens if this woman ends up dead? Because you know damn well right. the first thing he did when he got out of jail was try to contact her. Yep. Yep. Let's hope she is far, far away. This chew is is a considerable threat to public safety. Quite literally a threat to public safety. But we're gonna make an example out of Kim Potter. Right. Yeah. This isn't this very reminiscent of Waukesha, this this case? Very much. Very much. Except Thankfully. for except for this guy here was unsuccessful in running over his girlfriend, this right. woman, as right. opposed to the Waukesha guy. Right. Thankfully, mainstream media now are uh, very much well aware of the judge and keeping track of her. They have, but uh, this isn't reported in the Star yeah, Tribune today. No, but Tom, is it Lyman? Yeah. And I, Paul I think, Bloom. Paul Bloom's uh, all bl over it, too. Bloom, yeah, yeah. Bloom from the Nine, right? Yes. Yeah, that, that's who's on it. Don't her colleagues have any pride or esteem? Don't her colleagues want to walk in there and say... Your time is over. You're done. But can they? Well, form an ethics committee and throw her in front of it. Well, she, from what we read yesterday, she that's who she has to answer right. to. Right, Is wow. some sort of a committee of her peers. Brian Mature writes, Joe, after you got done reading the Alpha News story where this horrible judge, Regina Chu, who thought she'd make an example of Kim Potter and keep her locked up for Christmas, then let out the career criminal Shavirio Kavirion Child-Young, Reavers said, do we need to start keeping score? Yes, we do. It's called whataboutism, and whether you realize it or not, you and the gang were performing whataboutism. You yeah. say we shouldn't play that. But whataboutism is what we desperately need to do. If we don't play whataboutism, we accept a double standard. I think he's right. Yeah. I'm not sure we, what, what, what is the whataboutism aspect of pointing out Chu's behavior. Oh, what about, I get it. What about Potter compared to Shavion, Devarion, Mamunian, Badipan, Mayor, regarding Kenny's question, judges run unopposed because nobody looks at the back of the ballot. Here in Arizona, most of us still do. We've booted a few. It's changing with the influx of Californians. In Minnesota, voters just see DFL and go for it. You get what you pay for. Nobody cares, Dan Johnson. Well, I was going to give an explanation on why we here at GL try not to play whataboutism, but I'd rather hear it out of your mouth. Well, I, I've just often felt that it's a, it's a no-win situation. Yeah, it just you, it just 
always puts you between a rock and a hard place. And we try, and you're leading the way, to hold ourselves at a little higher standard than what you're seeing on Facebook and Twitter and, and all of that. Um, I don't know if I'd call them journalistic standards, are we? Uh, yes. Kind of? Yes. And, and a lot of the scanner accounts and these other places that rush to judgment right away, and they're always the first ones to to um, decry mainstream media and complain about mainstream media and mainstream media this and that, and they're not covering it. Well, because they're applying journalistic principles, they're checking other sources, they're checking facts, they're not just going with what they hear in the moment. And I think that's what we're trying to do here. We're, we're, we, we, we read a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of stuff that we're not bringing to the air because we only have one source for it, and we're not sure if we trust that source. Correct? Yeah, but the source I'm about to cite I trust implicitly because I've seen evidence that he only provides accurate information, plus I verified it. I'm not sure it's fair of me to point this out. I'm not sure it's germane. But Chu has a DWI on her record, but I can't attach that to her political ideology. Sure. Yeah, I know nothing about it. I don't know. But it's public knowledge. Yeah. I don't and, know if that's anything to rally behind, is No, it? no, I, I'm not even rallying behind it. I, I don't know to the extent of her, uh, how that would play a role in what she's doing most recently. I think that was back in uh, 2005. She got community service and uh, paid a fine. Uh, but that, again, that... Joe, it's not like she's a sheriff and she's driving uh, S-faced in the middle of the night with a couple of firearms uh, well, and, and then source, destroys a $70,000 SUV. My source tells me at that time she had the same attorney as Sheriff Hutchinson currently has. Funny. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, I can give you that name. Fred yeah. Bruno. Oh, okay. Fred Bruno. Oh, man, Shu has got to go. This is, uh, and, and it'll be even more horrific when we've seen these. This answers a question for me, by the way. Yesterday I was wondering, how many times has Chu done this? Well, I think it, I don't think I'm out on a limb to say she apparently has routinely done yeah, this. Yeah, it's a revolving door. This is her deal. And, and now it's going to be doubly hard to take when she uh, does whatever she believes she's told to do by the Keith Ellison crowd for uh, making an example out of Kim Potter. These people are dangerous they're not only dangerous, they're evil. Now, I think Kim Potter has to serve some time. I don't, I don't know what that is, but I guess I do. It's not more than what she's already served. <laughs> well. Or a year. Okay. How about a year? Okay. Well, to be clear, the Keith Ellison crowd have no, uh, they're not, she doesn't answer to them. He's not her boss. Regina Chu? Right. Yeah, but she answers to that political ideology. It's becoming clearer every day. It's she didn't let Potter out for Christmas. It's a that's what I want. Yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted to make clear. Yeah. Just that. Yeah. But she let Sharivian, Gudivian, Baduvian go to a funeral. Here's something else about that. Is he back, by the way? Did no, he, he didn't come back. Oh, he isn't. Done. Here's something else about that. Okay, you're going to let him go to the funeral. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe she was touched by this. How about shackles and handcuffs? Or supervised. Yeah. Or accompanied by a deputy. Yeah, yeah. Or a U.S. Marshal. What do you do? Go out front and call an Uber? <laughs> probably. Maybe they, they probably paid for it. God almighty. We'll get you a cab. Son. Got himself on the bullet bus to Chicago. He's, He's on long that party gone. bus. He's gone, man. <laughs> he gone. 
uh, uh, Kelsey provides more on Ken Martin, who yesterday was quoted as commenting on the announcement of Kendall Qualls running for governor. Uh, and uh, here is a Ken Martin tweet from December 23rd, 2021, hailing the Kim Potter verdict and saying it doesn't go far enough. Then read his tweet from yesterday about law enforcement appreciation. I did see this. So on December 23rd, 2021, Ken Martin, the head of the state DFL, writes, Today's verdict was just and right, but it is not justice. Justice won't come until we pass meaningful police reform and accountability measures that will ensure that senseless murders like these never happen again. One step forward, but many more to go. Hashtag Dante Wright. Blow it out your ass, Martin. (laughs) And then here is yesterday. In honor of Law Enforcement Appreciation Day, I would like to thank the brave Minnesotans and law enforcement who put themselves at risk to protect and serve communities across our state. Well, this hypocritical fraud. Yeah. What is it, Martin? Which, which, what do you believe? What a turd. Did you I'm see the letters to the editor today? Yeah, and they were they just were despairing. Have they? Are they not aware of public? Events? Nope. Do they not? What? Oh, my God. What? Let me clarify, Kenny. What blanket clarify. are you living under? Kenny is referring to a couple of letters in the Star Tribune today, letters to the editor of very woke uh, citizens who don't believe the answer is to put people in jail. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I thought I was reading a parody, Joe. Yeah. It's, and so... You know, much of what we get during elections is not surprising when you use this as a sample of who's out there. We're just yeah. so we're outnumbered. Yeah, yeah. you're we're right. Outnumbered. Yeah. Very precious people. Wow. Want us to know that they're very concerned. Candace Rasmussen of Rochester has never been punched in the face and uh, had a gun pointed at her when they, you know, when they're taking her '89 Toyota. Mm-hmm. Um. When did the, when was the public meeting? By the way, uh, were the mayors and the police chiefs and everybody was that over the weekend? Was that last week? To, how, how we how we can combat crime? I saw the news story. It was uh, late last week. Okay. Well, I, we got an idea. Uh, maybe hold them accountable would be a good step in the right well, direction. Well, we also learned that uh, mayors, police chiefs, attorneys, and other Twin Cities leaders are joining forces to stop the surge in crime, organized by Hennepin County Attorney Mike Freeman. The partnership is called MIN, MN Heals 2.0. It stands for Minnesota Hope, Education, Law, and Safety. The 2.0 reference is a broad effort Freeman led in the 90s. He says it was successful in reducing crime. You got uh, the Reverend Jerry McAfee of New Baptist Church, Bishop Harding Smith, Steve Kramer of the Downtown Council, Edina Mayor Jim Hovland in Minneapolis, Council members Linnea Palmisano and Lisa Goodman, they're in the partnership. And Freeman says this uh, will include deeper involvement in the business community, the faith community, community groups, along with law enforcement and some innovative techniques to try to get at the root of some of these violent juvenile crimes. Well, Mike, do what you can to get this chew kicked out. Get rid of her. At least 100 people met Monday, according to Orono Police Chief Corey Farneyoke, who was there, Farneyoke holds a leadership position with the head of the county chiefs of police. We want everybody at the table so that we're not pointing fingers, Farneyoke said. 
He said that although the police are doing their jobs making arrests, many crimes are committed by the same people. Really? Last Shocker. week, Farniak and the HCCPA sent Freeman a letter. That would be Hennepin County Sheriff's Association, maybe. Remember that? They sent a letter saying criminals right. aren't held accountable. Yep. In response, Freeman said there's lots of misinformation there. The Hennepin County Attorney's Office has been very aggressive about charging Hold particularly on. violent crimes. Uh, we don't know that. We have charged over 80% of all carjackings given to us. Well, you charge them, but then you got people like Chu who say, "Go, good luck catching a Uber out front. Mm-hmm. Watch your step. Or this moron that chased the woman into the fire station. Chu yep. says... You're gone. You don't have to stay here. Sorry for inconveniencing you. Mm. No balance due. Uh, Freeman also condemned finger-pointing, yet noted Minneapolis police have a hard time bringing him cases because they're down officers. In general, Freeman says he believes prison should be reserved for extremely violent crimes. I don't know how much more violent it has to be than this idiot of taking on a whole firehouse full of people. Had those firemen... What is, you don't, you, you, isn't that violent? Had those firefighters not been there, this woman would have been dead. Right. Well, I reject his statement entirely, in its entirety. Mikey, 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 the most what the violent. Hell are you thinking? Uh, no, all crimes. Yeah. All crimes. Once again, another guy who's never been punched in the face, so his... Uh, Mercedes S-Series can be driven to uh, the bad side of town. With regards to more juveniles committing violent crimes, Freeman says some repeat offenders should be tried as adults, but sometimes it's just a kid along for a joyride, and we don't think their life ought to be profoundly impacted by the (laughs) criminal justice system. Well, we can't win with this kind of thinking, people. You just can't win. He needs to go away. Oh, my goodness. I've known him for years. I've... I've liked him as a guy for years. I had no idea he was this screwed up. And I mean that, Mike. You're just screwed up in your thinking. I reject all of your excuses. Other than that, though. (laughs) I'm getting a lot of feedback from people who are guesstimating how Kendall Qualls will be torn apart by the left. He's on the offense, though. He's not going to pay attention. Yeah, I want him to be on the offense. Uh, Let me just read you one here before we take a water break. The old mayor's thirsty. Joe, listening to your comments on Kendall Qualls and his announcement and the response from the DFL's Ken Martin, it would be interesting to find out if the DFL ran to their buddies in the local media to protest the entrance of another Republican candidate. My guess is likely not, as they may be a little nervous about Kendall and want to start the negativity quickly to try and paint him as a radical. Also, it should not be a surprise that Walls is silent on Hutchinson, John Thompson, crime in the cities, etc. He knows he needs the radical left voters in Hennepin and Ramsey County, and any comments supporting law enforcement will lose him critical votes. He knows he has lost rural and exurban counties. Pushing back in Shoreview, Brian. Uh... The only thing the governor's pushing is get your COVID shot. That's all he cares about. Yep. I have another one who suspects that because uh, Kendall is such a strong believer in the nuclear family that he'll be portrayed as homophobic. Oh, Oh, come on. What a stretch. Well, I hope that's a stretch. But I put nothing past the likes of Ken Martin. You know what? That's true. Nothing. That's true. These hoopleheads in charge of the Republican Party need to take their 
their party hats off, remove the clown shoes, wipe off the makeup, and get behind this guy. Yeah, I With couldn't agree more. 100% effort. Stop this nonsense laziness. Their behavior during... Uh, here's another one. <laughs> Enjoyed your Monday show and your enthusiasm for Kendall Qualls' announcement that he is running for governor. I know my wife and I will vote for him if he is the nominee. However, I'm going to make a prediction that he or any other candidate the Republicans put forth will be defeated by Tim Walls. Walls will carry the five-county metro area, Duluth, Rochester, and my hometown of St. Cloud. The rest of the state will vote Republican, but will not have the votes to win. I have no clue why this is or why candidates like Walls, Ellison, Omar, Fry, Carter, and the like garner the support they do, but they do. I'm fortunate to be married to a down-to-earth, common-sense thinking conservative like myself, so it baffles me that they get the support they do. Maybe someone who lives closer to or with a euphorian can enlighten me. I really hope I'm wrong with this prediction. After all, I'm just a 69-year-old, vocationally educated, retired businessman. What do I know? I will have coins ready to throw in the scan bucket 10 <laughs> months from now if I'm wrong. Doug the barber. Thanks, oh, politics is a dirty, dirty oh, business. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's wow. just terrible. You want that power, man. you got to have that power. That's the thing that's the beauty of Kendall. He doesn't want power. He, he wants, wants results. He but wants first competency but first we have to watch the doc uh jensen and kendall tear each other apart and choose from them and whoever else is running and then well you got paul gazelka's running and try to get all of these losers uh after the primary behind one person will that happen is the republican party strong enough to pull this off Well, that's you're 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 presenting a good picture that needs to be painted they better get their act together well, the Republican read, Party in this state better get their act together. Have you read the stories about these asshats yeah. for the last five years? Yes. They care about everything except the state's business. Mm -hmm. Well, they better start showing us that they do. It, it's imperative that Kendall Qualls wins. It's imperative. Mm -hmm. Or we are going to continue to spiral out of control. Remember when I said, I bring this up often, it was so telling. This goes back to when Carter was first in office, Melvin. And you had the woman at the UPS, UPS store. store who was yeah. carrying on violently and was handled with uh, kid gloves by the cops. And the first thing Carter did was blame the police mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. her behavior. And I wished that he wouldn't have. I wished that he would have marched that young lady to her home and confronted her parents about, aren't you embarrassed by your daughter's behavior? You must expect more than this. No, he went the other way. Kendall Qualls is the guy who would have done that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Kendall Qualls is the guy who wouldn't first blame the police. He'd look at the facts and say, this is a family problem, and you better get your act together, young lady. But we don't get that from these current no. people. No. And Kendall Qualls could be the person that can convince, here comes the foghorn, the black community mm -hmm. uh that republicans are not all evil of course not and they do not they do have your best interests in mind let's take a, a short time out 
The 31st Annual 2022 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show returns to the Minneapolis Convention Center Friday, February 18th through Sunday, Feb 20. Grab your foursome. Get ready for your first round of 2022. See all the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show has to offer, including great deals on drivers, irons, putters, and accessories. Nab great deals on the best golf apparel around. This is where I get my golf gloves every year. Take advantage of special offers from your favorite courses and destination golf resort vacations while you're there. Plus, take lessons from the pros and be ready to own your golf game in 2022. And as an added bonus, yes, Garage Logic will broadcast live from 11:30 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Friday, Feb 18. Tickets are now on sale for just $12. Compliments of TwinCitiesGolf.com. Each ticket purchase includes 10 free greens free passes and three bonus passes if you purchase online. Find all show details at MinnesotaGolfShow.com. Presented by Choice Bank, your select Minnesota Buick, GMC dealers, Nelson Marine, and Second swing it's the end of the world as we know it and he feels fine joe Souchere. you want the ultimate in irony sure los angeles crimes have seeped into the wealthiest neighborhoods rocking residents and being compared to a dystopian movie franchise the purge residents have flocked to beverly hills only gun store in response arming themselves as a last-ditch effort for protection even though the city has a long track record of supporting liberal policies and gun control. Although that is part of my living, I get no pleasure whatsoever in having a 60 or 70 year old woman walk into my store who looks terrified and says, I have never liked guns. In fact, I've even hated guns. I would have never considered buying one, but I'm afraid for my life. Beverly Hills guns owner Russell Stewart recounted to Fox News Digital, especially women who live on their own. Uh, the idea uh, of this now is that uh, it's become a matter for the activists to complain that black L.A. residents are being shut out from guns because the wealthy white people are buying them. That's You're wow. right. That is the definition That's the of the ultimate. <laughs> Stewart is the owner of the only gun shop in Beverly Hills, and his clients include business owners, prominent actors, real estate moguls, and film executives, with many of them buying guns for the first time. But in Los Angeles, gun control measures have historically received strong support. A poll over the summer found 66% of Los Angeles residents see gun control, see gun control as an effective measure against gun crimes. Well, well it isn't. No, no. While 56% of voters across the state believe stronger laws restricting the sale and possession of guns help mitigate gun crimes, according to UC Berkeley Institute of Government Studies poll, which was co-sponsored by the L.A. Times. I don't trust any of those outfits. Los Angeles is a Democratic stronghold and overwhelmingly voted for Biden at 71 percent over Trump in 2020. The trend stretches back decades with Los Angeles County voters last voting for a Republican candidate in 1988. The last Republican to hold the office of mayor was Richard Joseph Reardon, uh, elected in 1993. Stewart says not only are the wealthy looking to arm themselves, it's also people of every color, every gender, every sexual orientation, and every political belief. Uh, Obtaining concealed carry permits in L.A. has been historically difficult and includes proving a person is of good moral character and that good cause exists for issuance of the license, among other requirements, Beverly Hills Guns describes buying handguns in the state as a tricky process and notes California handgun laws are among the most restrictive in the country. Uh, so here we go. The uh, 
all of this stuff you see right now is that, oh, we're wealthy, we can just go buy guns. This is according to, uh, who said that? Oh, to, to other Second Amendment activists, gun control restrictions marginalize black Americans. Gun control in this place called America was created to stop melanated beings from having the means to exercise their right. Political activist Maj Turi told Fox News Digital. Why can't we talk like normal people? All of this stuff that you see right now is just that. Oh, we're wealthy. We can just go buy guns, Turi said. But yet and still, the areas that have the most crime have the most restrictive gun laws. So this guy is a picture of here. He's got a sweatshirt on that says, Black Guns Matter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Geneva Solomon, the co-owner of Black-owned Redstone Firearms in L.A. in Los Angeles County's Burbank, agreed with Toure's comment. She said the gun control laws here are set up and intended to disproportionately affect those within the minority communities. How can that be? Well, I'd like to re- hear the law, uh, the wording of the be? law, and how and why that is. She pointed to California's complicated process of getting a concealed carry permit, saying single black parents in the state, for example, will have difficulty proving that they have good cause for gun ownership. Oh, okay. If the single parent is walking home and can't prove that they're important by having money or high-value items taken from them, it may be really hard, Solomon said, which goes back to the just cause requirement of the insurance of the concealed carry uh, having just cause is too big of a gray area. That means it's up for interpretation of the person interviewing you and can lead to underlying bias. Uh, God, it's become a matter of black activism that they're bitching now because they don't have enough guns. What in the hell? You don't think they have a point? Kenny, you don't think there's guns in the black community of Los Angeles? Legally, from what I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, from what I understand, this is all about uh, the process you have to go through in order to get a permit to carry. And it sounds like it's um, extra restrictive towards black people, from well, what I'm well, hearing. Well, maybe, maybe that has to be solved, and then the black community can begin to take care of its own crime problem. Oh, this is a good topic for Reverend, mm-hmm. uh, because he's been, uh, Timothy uh, Christopher, because he's been fighting this very issue. He's, uh, uh, one of his main points always has been gun control basically started because of the Black Panthers carrying loaded weapons in California. Hmm. The Mulford Law, I think it was called, mm-hmm. was signed into effect by Ronald Reagan because the white population was afraid because Black Panthers were marching with black loaded machinery, guns. Right, wow. right. And, uh. And, and immediately uh, they passed a law to make sure you couldn't carry a loaded weapon. Yeah, uh, the Reverend has a eight? yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a deep, deep base of knowledge on this subject. Yeah, very much. I so. spoke to him yesterday on the phone. He's trying to secure us a guest for later this week. And he uh, has his permit to carry, and he does. And he's part of a uh, group. I believe it's a group of African Americans, but I don't think it's just restricted to black folk uh, that do carry and that have been known to help protect neighborhoods uh, over on the north side. Well, then you're, you're, you're alerting me to the reality of this problem, that uh, it can be too easy to deny a single black mother, for example, a carry permit. That's the way I took it anyway. Yeah. yeah. 
But they're getting some big timers uh, killed. The wife of music executive Clarence Avant, philanthropist Jacqueline Avant, was fatally shot in her affluent Beverly Hills home on December 1. Police issued repeated warnings of follow-home robberies late last year where suspects target victims in affluent areas and follow them until they are in a remote area and then rob them. And the smashing grabs are targeting the ritzy stores and uh, a lot of damage. Homicides increased 12% last year compared to 2020's already bloody year. Beverly Hills specifically has seen a 25% increase in in violent crime in the last 12 months, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Well, I, I think what we're seeing, uh, in, if, if it's, I accept that it could be a problem for a black resident of L.A. to, to secure a handgun. But I think what we're also seeing is just more Regina Chu type stuff. You're just, you know, bail reform is in every big city in the country. Mm-hmm. Like you've been saying for years, the, the democratic process is what led us to this. They're, they're, they're letting just as many people. Just Where is that? Listen to this. The reason that we're in the position we are is because of the, you know, the Democrats that control things. Wait, where, where is it? I, I have something that will blow your mind. Here it is. Here it is. California. California is releasing 76,000 inmates early, including violent felons. Oh, jeez. Wow. As it further trims up the population of what was once the nation's largest state correctional system. More than 63,000 inmates convicted of violent crimes will be eligible for good behavior credits that shorten their sentences by one-third instead of the one-fifth that have been in place. That includes nearly 20,000 inmates who are serving life sentences with the possibility of parole. More than 10,000 inmates convicted of a second serious but nonviolent offense under the state's three strikes law will be eligible for release after serving half their sentences. That's an increase from the current time served credit of one third of their sentence. The same increased release time will apply to 2,900 nonviolent third strikers. Uh... May I interrupt for just a yeah, brief moment? Yeah, sure. Not that it's not relevant. I think this is an old story. Uh, we discussed it, I believe, last spring? Well, this is dated January 11th, 2022. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe it's an up. up and up. it's from... Uh, it's just a reoccurring story. KBLA yeah. 5 it's Morning just, News in it's L.A. It's just history repeating itself right, over right. and over and over. <laughs> Corolla does a great bit on who uh, the laws are meant for in California. Yeah. Uh, and they're not meant for cri- uh, criminals. They're not meant for the homeless. Uh, they're not meant for any of those people. Those people can do what they want. Yeah, it's the people that pay their taxes and that are trying to uh, fix their house and et cetera, et cetera. That, that's who the laws are meant for. The goal is to increase incentives for the incarcerated population to practice good behavior in following the rules while serving their time and yeah. participate in rehabilitative and educational programs, which will lead to safer prisons. Uh, Office of Administrative Law Department spokesman Dana Simis said in a statement. At the point where I don't care what goes on in prison, it could be Andersonville for all I care. Yeah, it, it, it's what goes on in society. You know, um, are they going to reoffend when they get out the door? From yes. the Los Angeles Times, this is dated May first of twenty twenty one. Basically, the same yeah. story verbatim. Yeah. Yeah. I have one from May sixth, also, Chris. So, yeah. Yeah. I just the only reason I because I remember us talking about this. Well, now it's come to fruition. Right. You know, I got to get something off my chest. A lot of people believe that a permit to carry is 
your ticket to personal safety. Um, and a lot, and that might be the case uh, in the most perfect of all conditions, a one-on-one type situation where you see the person coming and you're able to have that firearm in your hand and you're ready. Um, but the fact of the matter is you're getting attacked by two, three, four people at once, and they're disabling you before you even have a chance to think about defending yourself. You're you're getting punched in the face and knocked down, and then that firearm that y- you have and you went through all the trouble to get to protect yourself is now not only used against you, but it's used against the rest of society. And I, I'm just I, really concerned about people that think, that a, a firearm, a nine millimeter, a forty, whatever, uh, is going to actually protect you. And I know I've had this conversation with you off the air. Uh, and as far as home protection goes, oh God, don't You're use off a, a shotgun. Don't use a pistol. Right. Oh my God, it's the worst thing you could possibly use. Scatter gun, my friend. Mm-hmm. Not to sound like a cowboy, but that's that's the ticket. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I had to get that off my chest. Aimed right at the swimsuit area. You don't even have to aim it, Joe. I know. Speaking you just of, pull uh, the trigger. Speaking of L.A., have, did you guys see the video over the weekend of the plane that crashed and the cops that saved this guy's life before mm-hmm. he was almost hit by a train? Right. buddy of mine wow. on Twitter brought up a really good point. Um, on every railroad crossing, there's a sign with a phone number on who to call right away when the tracks are blocked. And they will shut down rail traffic. Really? Wow, really? Yeah. 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 Why don't we come back with Johnny Height, huh? Okay. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. Yesterday, Monday, Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry gave his second inaugural address as he and the city's new council members started their new terms. Mayor says he's got a lot on his agenda to tackle in 2022. Fry told council members during the ceremony the city is counting on them as a team to work together and get to work, stating that everyone in the city has a right to feel safe. He did tell our buddies down in 5 Eyewitness News he has a plan to crack down on crime, which includes an adjustment in public safety. Uh, We don't know that. (laughs) That means, he says, using mental health advisors during emergencies, social workers and EMTs when police aren't necessarily needed. Mayor said this also means preventing crime with better community policing, hiring more police, and keeping those officers accountable. Joe, is that going to get her done? Nope. Okay. Uh, police say they're working trying to find a person who fatally shot a man Monday night in St. Paul. According to police there, officers were called to the area of Pryor Avenue North and Oakley Avenue about 9.30 in the evening. When they arrived, officers say they found a person lying in the street suffering from an apparent gunshot wound. The victim identified as a man in his, third, as a man in his 30s was taken to Regents Hospital where he later died. Currently, investigators are working to find possible witnesses and collect evidence. They say they have identified no suspects. They haven't determined a motive or taken anyone into custody as of this morning. John, do you have the news on the homeless encampment, by the way? I do not. Well, Joe, our leaders are getting to the bottom of what really plagues the city of Minneapolis. All right. This morning, five Minneapolis council members showed up to defend the North Loop homeless encampment. Oh. The city uh, notified the camp that it planned to clear it away today. Um, All five of them were there at six o'clock this morning at North Girard and Second Avenue. You guys are familiar with this area, right? Yeah. It's 
it's a very large encampment, mm-hmm. and it needs yeah. to be cleared. And, of course, our city council members are standing in the way of that. Oh, they don't want that cleared out. Those people are uh, victims wow. of uh, where are they something. Gonna, where are they going to go? It's cold as hell. You're going to be homeless. Why in the hell would you live here? City council yeah. member Robin Wansley Warlabaugh said the following. Quote, to destroy people's homes with nothing more than a list of possibly underfunded and overwhelmed resources in the midst of a coronavirus surge while temperatures are routinely below zero is inhumane. She's so the cardboard box she considers a home. Correct. Yeah. She's Ward 2, by the way, mm-hmm. which uh, encompasses basically the Mississippi River on both sides. The other council members that were present, by the way, were Jason Chavez, Aisha Kugati, Jeremiah Ellison, and Elliot Payne. Not my girl. Uh, Come on now. Vita. Vita. Can't remember her name either. The hell's her name? God, Starts I with a V, though. Vita Crenshaw. Something like that. Uh, Latricia Vita. Latricia Vita. Yeah. <laughs> Latricia Vita. Uh, Hello, she's Latricia. She's Your running, close friend. She's running Ward 4. Do you see who's in charge there uh, now? Jenkins. Yeah. yeah. Jenkins. Oh, this city ought to turn around. I did. uh, uh, I have a a family member who was moving out to L.A. this week, and he was out there this summer. He said the beaches there now are basically homeless encampments. Mm -hmm. Really? He said, yeah, he said it's it's bizarre. Now, I said, can you still go there and hang out if you're just a normal person? He goes, yeah. He goes, but you're going to run into homeless encampments if you hang out at the beach that day. If you're going to be homeless somewhere. That's the place to do it. That sounds perfect. John Minneapolis in January. Last spring, we went out to San Diego, and there's a great spot. It's called the Ocean Beach area. It's it's south of downtown, right? Yep. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. We we go there every time we're we're in that town. We started to walk up there. We were going to do lunch and whatever on the beach, and the guy said, hey, I I wouldn't bring your kids over there. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're going to step on a needle or something. I thought, ugh. You gotta oh. be kidding me! And then as soon as well, we walked there, there's homeless, there's homeless uh, shelters everywhere. There's a spot like that on Maui where you can go to Maui and pay, basically uh, pitch a tent on, on the on the beach. But I always thought it was just you know brats from the states who didn't yeah. couldn't afford a hotel. I don't know if they're homeless or not. Huh. A 37-year-old man charged Monday with trying to torch an unoccupied Minneapolis police squad car that was parked on Nicollet Mall. Elias Lavelle of Minneapolis charged with arson in connection. And what he did was he put a gasoline-soaked T-shirt underneath the squad, which was parked on the sidewalk outside of Walgreens, where the officer was working off-duty inside. Lavelle has yet to be located, and a warrant was issued for his arrest. According to the complaint, the officer walked out of the store, saw something on fire under the car. He put it out. Mechanics located damage to the rear bumper and undercarriage. Images from a city surveillance camera showed a man later identified as Lavelle approached the squad from behind. He walked away, grabbed something from his backpack, and lit it on fire. He returned to the back of the squad and put the lit object underneath. On January 1st, Lavelle was involved in an assault on a light rail train based on clothing in the transit card used the day of the fire. And upon boarding the light rail train, investigators figured out he was the person involved in both crimes. Where's well, Regina Chul at him out? I was just going to say, well, we, <laughs> why don't we just skip the whole process, yeah. Joe, now that we've identified him? Right. Why don't we just make a uh, public uh, pronouncement that this guy, we'll, we'll name him and we'll put it out in the news. Yeah. Uh, you're absolved. Right. Go 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 about your business. We're, we, we're not going to arrest you, uh, charge you. Regina or, Chu's got enough of a workload. Y- yeah. Well, don't. You're okay, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
One of the mysteries surrounding COVID-19 is why some folks can't shake the symptoms and remain sick for months at a time. Dr. Greg Vanich-Kochorn, a physician at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, said conservatively there are about 100,000 people in Minnesota who are considered long-haul COVID-19 patients. He said the challenge is treating those long-haul patients because there's not a lot of research that's being done on why the cases are happening and who's most likely to become a long-haul patient. Vanich Kachorn said right now there seems to be a pattern of younger women who are more likely to be long-haul COVID-19 patients, but they don't know why. A Duluth City Council rejecting an emergency mask mandate last night, but a measure asking Mayor Emily Larson to use her executive powers to, quote, <laughs> safeguard the community during the pandemic was approved. Yeah. Uh-huh. She will. <laughs> yep. Uh, Joe, you mentioned this earlier. Fella emailed you about this. Starting Saturday, private health insurers will be required to cover up to eight home COVID-19 tests per month for people on their plans. The Biden administration announcing the change yesterday as it looks to lower costs and make testing for the virus more convenient amid rising frustrations. And Ken, Where do you get you the test? Out, yeah, the problem is every story you go to, there's a big sign that says no home tests. We're no out. Home. So. Pope Francis suggesting Monday that getting vaccinated against coronavirus is a moral obligation. And he denounced how people had been swayed by baseless information to refuse one of the most effective measures to save lives. The Pope used some of his strongest words yet, calling for people to get vaccinated in a speech to ambassadors accredited to the Holy See, an annual event in which he takes stock of the world and sets out the Vatican's foreign policy goals for the year. Uh, he also, in that speech, came out swinging against cancel culture. He said cancel culture is invading many circles and public institutions. As a result, agendas are increasingly dictated by a mindset that rejects the natu- uh, natural foundations of humanity and the cultural roots that constitute the identity of many people. Here, here. Pope, Pope also said that cancel culture is a form of one-track thinking that wants to rewrite the past through a modern-day lens, and he warned that any historical situation must be interpreted in accordance with a hermeneutics of that particular oh, time. Okay. Do you know what that means? I don't. I, I, I had to look it up. What does it mean? That's a, that's, that's a, a rook bleep you that's word. That's a bleep right that word. <laughs> hermeneutics refers to the theory and practice of interpretation. I see. Where where interpretation involves an understanding that can be justified. Huh. Huh. Got, got it? Yeah. It, it seems like um, you're uncancelable. Cancelable. That's not a word. Um, if you don't want to be canceled, you don't have to be canceled. Rogan, they've tried. He's not going to be canceled. Nope. Uh, Corolla, they're not going to cancel him because they refuse to play those games. Refuse to, yeah, refuse to apologize. Ricky you can, Gervais. You scream and yell all you want. All you're going to get is the finger, and right. uh, they're going to keep doing what they do. Hats off to that. I do have a, a, a question for all of you guys, and maybe I just want your opinion. Do you think the people that have not been vaccinated thus far in the past couple of years, what do you think the chances are that they're actually going to bow down and get vaccinated? I have no idea. I think at this point you've probably made your decision, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you haven't had so. your mind changed by now, I don't know what would change your mind. Yeah, so what's the point of keep hammering on this? I don't know. Yeah. 
Uh, this year's tax filing system will begin on January 24th, 17 <laughs> days earlier than last year, according to the IRS. They are warning that the resurgence of COVID-19 infections on top of less funding authorization from Congress than the Biden administration had requested might make this filing season particularly challenging. <laughs> IRS Commissioner Chuck Redding said the pandemic continues to create challenges, but the IRS reminds people there are important steps you can take to help ensure your tax return and refund don't face processing delays. The most important thing, Redding says, if you avoid a paper tax return, that'd be very important and you'd get your return done quicker. He urged all taxpayers to file their returns electronically and to get their refunds by direct deposit. I think uh, I know a gal who's... What's a refund? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know a gal who still hasn't received her refund from last year. Jeez. Oh, man. That's... <laughs> Well, didn't we, at the very beginning of this presidency, didn't wasn't that one of the first things he did was said he was going to hire yeah, eight hundred yep. million but thousand it, people that, to work? Yep. That didn't make it through. Oh, oh, part, oh yeah, they were the, going to uh, spy on us. They were going to crawl up our backsides. No, I meant that they the in, IRS yeah. was just literally going to hire more people. Right, right, and that, that was, was part, that was part of, of that bill. Yeah, yeah okay. more people spying on the uh, public, getting in your bank account. Yeah, something about six hundred dollars. Yeah, 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 the whole deal. <laughs> Investigators seeking answers for why safety doors failed to close when fire broke out in that New York high-rise over the weekend. Oh my it allowed goodness. thick smoke to rise through the tower, killed 17 people, including eight children. A malfunctioning electric space heater apparently is what started the fire of the 19-story building in the Bronx. The flames damaged only a small part of the building, but smoke poured through the apartment's open door and open stairwells into dark, ash-choked death traps. The stairs were the only method of escape in a tower too tall for fire escapes. Fire Commissioner Daniel Negro said the apartment's front door and a door on the 15th floor should have been self-closing and blunted the spread of smoke, but the doors stayed fully open. It's not clear if the doors failed mechanically or if they had been manually disabled. Uh, Such, I like your plan. As low to the ground as possible, right? Absolutely. Yeah. In a medical first, doctors transplanted a pig heart into a patient in a last-ditch effort to save his life. And a Maryland hospital said yesterday the man is doing well three days after getting the pig's heart. Huh. While it's too soon to know if the highly experimental surgery really will work, it marks a step in the decades-long quest to one day use animal organs for life-saving transplants. The uh, patient is David Bennett. He's a 57-year-old Maryland handyman. He knew there was no guarantee the experiment would work, but he was dying, ineligible for a human heart transplant, and his son told the Associated Press he had no other option. The only his side son... effect from this is he kept eating his dinner like Ralphie's little brother. Plus, he loves mud. Yeah. I don't know. There's some funny lines, but I'm not coming up with them. Uh, I, I want you to get to the get it to the genetic part of it. Do you you know that part of the story? Uh, uh, I'm not sure. Let me see. I don't see that here. So Can this this pig was raised with altered genetics. So right. the the normal pig heart um, would be rejected in the body. Well, they removed somehow those genetics so that the human body would not reject the heart. It's pretty fascinating. And this guy had no choice. It was either this or die. Yeah, or die. Yep. How, yeah. how old was he, Johnny? The guy? 57, 57. Looks wow. like he's 87. Wow. You should see a picture of him. 
As of yesterday, he was breathing on his own while still connected to a heart-lung machine to help the new heart. The next few weeks, according to doctors, will be critical as he recovers from the surgery and doctors continue to carefully monitor how his heart is doing. Is this a heart, a, a pig heart, that will ultimately be replaced with a human heart? I don't know. That's a good question. I didn't I don't read know any, that either. Yeah. I didn't read anything about that. Why was he ineligible for a heart transplant? That was my first question, and I tried to research that and couldn't find anything. Hmm. On was it a case they didn't have anything available for him? I don't know. That's why well, there was one of the stories I read said thousands were thousands of uh, organs short right yeah. now. Okay. Various. Hey, uh, speaking of hearts, That's did you get the change. did you get the Judas Priest <laughs> story, uh, John? I did not. I didn't see a Judas Priest story. Uh, the headline, and I have, haven't gone any further than the headline, Judas Priest guitarist Richie Faulkner's aorta ruptured and spilled blood as he performed Painkiller on stage. Wow. That's what happened to you, right? <laughs> no. Were you no. playing a Creedence song and boom, out <laughs> she went? Um, aorta. He went emergency heart surgery, and he's lucky to be alive. Huh. huh. Ruptured aorta, uh, aorta in the middle of so a show. So blood just started spewing out? Uh, I guess so. From what orifice? So, I don't know. That's his weird. eyeballs, his ears, his swimsuit area? I don't know. <laughs> the singer looked uh, at him and said, wait. if you think I'm taking you to the doctor, you got another thing coming. Right. Wait, oh, well God. Wow. Thank wow. You, Thank you. Wow. What did I miss? Thank you. Blood started to spill into his chest cavity. Oh. So I suppose he started choking it up, right? Yeah, I bet. That's like it. Gene that Simmons. That can happen. I wonder how the solo <laughs> sounded. Uh, moving right along, Americans. Were... Joe just says, yeah, that can happen. That'll that happen. Can happen. <laughs> like, like Spinal Tap's drummer catching on exactly. fire. A little known yeah. fact, but, you know, every every year. <laughs> Americans are generally, follow along now, much more liberal than they were 50 years ago, but they still don't vote that way, according to a new study. Why? Well, the average American may be more liberal today when it comes to topics like gender, sexuality, race, and personal liberty than in the 1970s. Views on polarizing issues like gun control, taxes, and abortion have largely remained the same. The study's authors said those polarizing issues still sway voting decisions in a major way, and they vote Republican. Using data from the General Society survey, researchers assessed nearly 300 distinct variables, attitudes, beliefs, behaviors among the respondents. Uh, be, uh, study authors collected the data between 1972 and 2018, placing respondents into 32 different groups depending on their age. The group spaced Americans out by age, representing a gap of two to three years for each group. According to the analysis, each generation is just a little more liberal than their predecessors. More specifically, researchers deemed about 62% of the variables to slant more liberal among modern-day Americans in comparison to older age groups. Additionally, study authors report each distinct age group became more liberal during the study. Was that, John, was there a group labeled the uh, IDGAF group? <laughs> that, that, that's the group I'm in. There probably was, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, uh, I, yeah. yeah, I, I just don't. Yeah, I just don't. 
The uh, TSA has come out uh, every year. You know, they do the list of top ten odd things they confiscated oh, at airports. Yeah, yeah I, I have that. Uh, it's pretty exciting stuff. Uh, number one, <laughs> number one, the oddest thing they said was a chainsaw that they took away from somebody at the New Orleans International. And, uh, you know airport. what? I'm glad they did. He's, yeah. He was gonna. That's in this carry-on luggage. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> oh, this will be all right. Just throw it in there. <laughs> in Sacramento, they took away a wine holder shaped like a gun. Huh. Oh. Uh, fireworks was a common one. Uh, Syracuse Hancock International had a large batch of fireworks confiscated. Reagan, Washington, a machete was taken from uh, somebody who wanted to fly with that. Uh, bear spray is also a popular one. A meat cleaver was taken at the Harrisburg International Airport. Uh, this sounds interesting. A gun belt, gun, a gun belt buckle. So a I'm assuming it's a buckle. belt buckle. Yes, I don't know if it, that means it's just shaped like a gun or was it actually a gun you could use as a belt buckle? Uh, hard to say. What about that uh, belt buckle that Randall Pink Floyd had on Days and Confused where <laughs> it was uh, disguised as a pipe, a weed pipe? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, in uh, Texas, Hobby International Airport. You're still doing the same story of the I, weird I, stuff um, that's been it's good yeah, stuff, I, Such, yeah. Good I'll, stuff. I'll, Try to keep up. I am. Uh, there was methamphetamine in a burrito, so it was a burrito, and it was stuffed with sure, methamphetamine. Sure. And uh, last I got a silo full of tortillas. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? Will Jesse. Sasso. That's right, yeah. Will Sasso doing Jesse. A silo Jesse. full of tortillas. <laughs> he is uh, hysterical. I did uh, notice when I was doing research on Judge Chu. Right? Yeah. Is that her name? Yeah. Uh, Jesse, Jesse's the fellow that appointed her. Right. We said yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, Yesterday. Do okay. you sure listen to the to program? Yeah. I, yeah, I do. But, you know, sometimes I lose track. John, thank and, you. Uh, I know it all. Well, that's it. I guess I'm done. It all kind of blends together, doesn't it, <laughs> It John? really does. It's starting to feel that way, doesn't it? <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll return. Hey, this is Ozzy Osbourne. Stay tuned for more Oz... No. Hey, this is Ozzy Osbourne, and you're listening to Joe... No, one more time. Hey, this is Ozzy Osbourne, <laughs> and you're listening to Joe... Why did... How did you get Ozzy to do that liner, by the way? Just a good friend of mine. Come on! <laughs> I've never heard the story. Well, he's obviously not even talking about me. Somebody picked that out of the ether. Oh, yeah. I see. Say, Don Moore wants us to know oh. he's been a fan since we started. Well, wait started. a minute. I, I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't For all either. these years, I thought I, he was uh, talking about you. I did, too. I, I actually knew that. Uh, I, th I thought we that was weird. Well, John, you're it. smarter than the rest of us, you know. <laughs> now you've, But you've ruined it for everybody, Joe. Way to go. Yeah, Joe. <laughs> Can you make up a story? Play along. Don Jeez. Moore wants us to know he's been a fan <laughs> since we started. He's following us from Williamsburg, Virginia. Nice. Huh. And uh, yesterday I had my million-dollar idea shot down. I wanted those uh, wheel well scoopers. Yep. Well, uh, Patrick has a hell of an idea. Heated mud flaps. Hmm. Huh? I like that. How would you be able to? Heated mud flaps. Yeah, that's, we need more technology in these things. That's what we need. Joe, I was just listening to Friday's episode of GL where you were wondering why it costs so much to make new fabrication factories for computer chips. The response on the show that there are billions of transistors inside each computer chip is correct. And the reason the fabrication of these chips is so expensive is because you need tremendously expensive equipment to precisely manipulate material that is only a handful of atoms wide in order to get the numbers of transistors on each computer chip. 
to gain the kind of performance and capability the market demands. There are several new fabrication factories, also called fabs, being built currently by at least Intel and TSMC, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation. Uh, probably more companies are building them too. They just take several months to build, so the chip shortage is not going to last forever, but it will probably just last until these new fabs are completed. Hope that helps Rob in St. Paul. Oh, wait a second. Does anybody make an analog car any anymore? Uh, is there any such thing as an analog car? You know what I mean? Yeah, with uh, with no technology. Right. No, no, the answer is no. Yeah, I mean, I can't come up with one. I told you, so, there's more technology in the sun visor of a modern car than there is in any British sports car ever made, with the exception of the current British sports cars being made. What cars are analog? Uh, BMW M3, 95 through 99, 92 Viper, 96, uh, or a 66 Jag. Who's going to buy an old piece of crap Jag? Oh, that would oh, be sorry, Chris. Yep. anyway. Well, sorry, you're Chris. looking at one. Uh, 85 Ferrari <laughs> and uh, something about a Carrera, but they don't give me a year. A letter sent from a U.S. soldier stationed in Germany to his mom in Massachusetts has been delivered 76 years after it was sent. Oh, Army Sergeant John Gonsalves, 22 at the time, wrote to his mom in Woburn, Mass., in December 1945 after the official end of World War II. The letter would sit unopened for more than 75 years before being found in a U.S. Postal Service distribution facility in Pittsburgh. Dear Mom, received another letter from you today and was happy to hear that everything is okay. The letter reads, as for myself, I'm fine and getting along okay, but as far as the food, it's pretty lousy most of the time. Gonsalves died in 2015. His mother has died as well, but the USPS found an address for his widow, Angelina, whom the shoulder soldier met five years after he sent the letter. Alongside the decades-old mail, UPS, USPS employees also sent a letter of their own saying delivering this letter was of utmost importance to us. After the Gonsalves family received the letter, they called the facility and thanked them. Imagine that, 76 years, Angelina Gonsalves told WFX-TV, WFXT-TV. I just couldn't believe it. All then, and, and then just his handwriting and everything, it was just so amazing. Uh, Angelina Gonzalez, 89, spent another holiday without her husband, but she said this year felt like he's come back to me. Isn't that sweet? Huh. Yeah. We have a bit of breaking news out of the governor's office, Joe. Mm-hmm. Get your COVID shot. This is from WCCO reporter Caroline Cummings. <clears throat> uh, Governor Tim Walls has just announced... Visa gift cards to all Minnesota families who get their 5- to 11-year-old kid fully vaccinated in January and February. And they will also be entered to win a $100,000 scholarship. Hmm. Only because they come to us. All the way from Marloth Park in Mpumalanga, South Africa, from the Traveling Lymans. On this day. Today. What is today? January 11th, January 11th. Henry Wilson, a professional burglar, and his pal Frank Wilmar, a horse thief, are caught by an alert janitor and the sheriff as they attempted to escape from the Ramsey County Jail in St. Paul. They had stolen a sledgehammer from workmen and nearly managed to pound a hole through the stone floor of a cell into the basement. Wow. Wow. On this day. Today. 1907. The St. Paul Institute of Science and Letters is incorporated with Charles W. Ames as its first president. 
The Institute's museum is first located in an auditorium, then moved to the Miriam Mansion on University Avenue, and finally to downtown St. Paul, where it became the Science Museum of Minnesota. And finally, on this day, today, 1909, Canada and the United States signed a treaty forming the International Joint Commission, a legislative body charged with preventing and setting disputes in the Boundary Waters region. Hmm. Now you called your BWCBAD, BWBADWC. There's a few more letters now. Thank you, GLs. I've, uh, I've snowmobiled into Canada illegally. That's, a, that's a, uh, interesting. Uh, <laughs> thank you, everybody. I drove on the ice the other day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing white socks. Thanks, John. Hey, GLers, do us a favor and head on over to the Garage Logic YouTube page and hit that subscribe button for us and join the thousands of GLers that have subscribed to the GL YouTube page. Also, don't forget about, by the way, the online shop at garagelogic.com. We have closeout items for GL gear for all of you. And don't forget to, to uh, visit us on our social media platforms, the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, yeah, comment nicely as we would like to support the Garage Logic pages. We'll catch you tomorrow. It is that time once again here in Garage Logic where we pick up that phone and we make that call to Mr. Money Talk Josh Arnold Jealers. That's exactly what you should do today for that free 48-minute financial consultation by doing just what I did. Call 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. When you call that number, you get Josh and you also get straight talk. You're never going to get sugar-coated advice. And Josh is on the line with us once again. And Josh, are there still the same worries as relates to the market right now chris it's the same worries it's getting to be almost like a broken record what's going on with covid and the covid variants and covid's effect on the market and on the economy second worry the fed oh what's the fed going to do with interest rate given the fact that inflation has gone up and what is jay powell and the fed going to be doing and how soon is it going to be happening covid as we have discussed before is going to be with us for a very long period of time. Rather than being a pandemic, it's going to be endemic. It's going to be with us. It is going to have some effect at different points in time on the economy in terms of slowing things down with people out sick or not out sick could have an effect, you know, some minor effect on the supply chain going forward. That said, I believe that the supply chain issues are going to be resolved as this year progresses, not only here in the United States, but on a worldwide basis. That should moderate some of the prices. Concerns with the Fed and what they're going to do with interest rates, they'll revolve around how much inflation is there and whether that inflation is transitory or not. The Fed has been trying for several years to start the normalization process of the interest rate curve and moving short-term interest rates off the zero line. The Fed has indicated and stipulated both in minutes and verbally that they are going to reduce 
significantly their bond buying. And at some point, we'll probably start reducing their balance sheet more in the way of letting the bonds that are on their balance sheet come to maturity rather than selling them at a discount in a rising interest rate environment. Interest rates moving up, well, the Fed has indicated that there's a likelihood of them raising interest rates at least three times over the course of the year. If inflation moderates, maybe instead of three times, it two times, or maybe um, if inflation accelerates, as many analysts are looking at the Fed, in fact, increases four times. And there are a few analysts who are thinking that the Fed, once they start raising rates, will continue to do so. I am not of that view at this point. I would also indicate that, bear in mind that not that long ago, short-term interest rates were at 2%. You know, right now, they're still close to zero. The 10-year bond is still below 2%, you know, currently at 1.75%. Yes, that's up from where it was just a few weeks ago, but it is still way below that 2% level. That makes stocks paying dividends greater than that a very good choice for in investment if you're looking for, you know, some income. Me, looking for income, I'd much prefer putting money into real estate investment trusts where I can get yields above four and a half or even five percent and still have a little bit of growth there. If I'm looking at these real estate investment trusts and I like those trusts that are liquid that I can sell on the marketplace as opposed to private REITs, which are illiquid investments, the liquid uh, REITs representing many different companies, or even there are some closed end funds that buy real estate investment trusts have very high distribution rates you know, above four and a half percent and still offers a chance of appreciation. Some that we've looked at include American Tower, Crown Castle in the tower space, some of the casino REITs, gaming and resource recreation management, and cheap properties are some others that I like there. For income in the, this environment with the potential for interest rates moving up, I want assets that have the ability to increase their dividend over time and still have that asset grow as well. Very good, Mr. Money Talk. GLers, you heard them. Now's the time to pick up that phone and make that call for that free 48-minute financial consultation by calling 952-925-5608. Josh, as always, thank you so much for the time and the chat. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you again on Thursday. Thank you very much. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.